1: Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Jared Mack on the show, and today uh, we've been joined by a great guest, uh, Coach Hampton from the University of Oregon, Co-Defensive Coordinator, Safeties Coach. Chris, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Doing great today, man. Thanks for having me on uh, this afternoon. Um, let's let's dive right into this because it's it, football is almost here. I, I guess for your profession, it's always football time, uh, yeah, right. but. <laughs> but uh you've been here about six months um yep. you're one of the new guys on the staff this coming season just how has the adjustment been for you uh you've settled in um what's been the biggest challenge for you on a personal level just in, in your new role your new digs your new community your your new school
2: you know it's, it's been it's been a bit phenomenal really i got here uh january 17th i think uh, I guess the biggest challenge for me was finding a, a house at first, you know, it's a little yep. it's a little different on the west coast compared to down south, you know, finding somewhere to stay. So uh, the house was being built. I, I actually found a, a nice place that was getting built. And so I just wait a few months in a hotel. So that was the biggest challenge just living in a hotel for about four months. Uh, and then after that was completed, uh, I was able to move in. But uh, but it's been great, though. I mean, it's been it's been ball every day. I've been learning a ton. Uh, It's been fun, you know, wearing the Oregon brand and recruiting for the university and working with our players each and every day. Uh, So it's been it's been everything I imagine it will be.
1: So I I have to follow up on that. What's the longest you've stayed in a hotel? Because I've stayed about like two weeks and that that gets pretty it gets pretty mundane. Is that the longest you've been there?
2: Yeah, I I was there. I mean, January through April.
1: Oof, oh, yeah, man.
0: yeah, long time. <laughs> it was a long. At time. least you got the points, I got a right? You get the points. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was, that? Chris? For coming on the show. Um, I got to follow up as well because this is this is too good of an opportunity. What was the worst part about living in a hotel for what was that four months, five months?
2: Man, you know, just you couldn't cook for yourself. That was the that was no. the hardest part was that you had to, you know every day you had to eat out and man if you're trying to like you know because when you when you when you move places that's well, one of the big deals you gain weight they always say oh, yeah you get that that uh, that new location twenty you know and so you, <laughs> when you, <move> somewhere there, <laughs> and you you gain weight you know because you just eat out every day you can't help but eat fast food and you know you're working late because you're you know you're getting adjusted to the new system and learning everything and. You know you want to make sure that you're speaking the language of the place that you're going into you know there's a mm-hmm. you know in coaching there's a lot of terms that are that you know a lot of ways to call certain things you know you call cover two a million different ways depending on where you're at you know but at the end of the day it's still cover two. you know but you want to make sure that you're saying the words to the you know just speaking the language of the organization so you want to make sure that you're your details so when you go in and teach it to the players that you're doing it right and so you know you so obviously you work a little bit longer you know because you have to study yourself you know and mm-hmm. so uh And so that was different, you know. So, but you had you had no opportunity to cook for yourself. So it was McDonald's and you know, and uh, a lot of BJ's and uh, (laughs) you know, Texas Roadhouse, Red Lobster, you know, a lot Uh of that stuff. That
1: was that was that was different. I hope you got the points because that that you got to rack up a lot of points
0: there. I did. You rack up the points.
2: That was that was that was a plug.
0: All right, I, now I gotta ask my, my real question here. I just I had to follow up. It was too good of an opportunity. You 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 came to came to Oregon as a safety coach, assistant DC, but you leave the the defensive coordinator gig at, at Tulane. Just I guess what was it about Oregon in general and the message that was brought by Coach Lanning or Coach Lupoy that, you know, made it an easier decision to go from having those defensive coordinator responsibilities to becoming an assistant DC and a safeties coach altogether? You know, you
2: know, what it really was was the opportunity I thought to come and to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. You have a really ch- a chance to do it at Oregon. I think you have everything in place to ultimately do that, you know, and uh, it was a power five level opportunity to come in and learn on the Coach Landing. One of the things when I was talking to the guys, Dan and both Tosh, uh, we talked about a growth mindset and that's one of our four pillars, you know, is, is growth and they said that to me about having a growth mindset. And I was like, that's exactly right. You know, I had never thought about it that way. I had never phrased it that way in my own brain, but like that's it. Just having a growth mindset and the opportunity to go and grow, you know, I hope to coach for a long time. Um, you know, I, this, this is all I've ever done since I've got done playing at 22 years old as coach. And so I just wanted to go somewhere where I felt like there was people that I could learn from and just make me a better coach.
1: You've been through spring ball now. Um, you've had an opportunity to review that. It had multiple months now to review the film and kind of build out mm-hmm. from that. What'd you learn about your safety room? What, what What were your takeaways from Spring Ball? I think we've got some good
2: veterans. I really do. I think we've got some veterans. We've got you know uh, the guys who were last year and Steve Stevens and uh, Brian Addison, and then you add two guys like a Tysheem Johnson who comes in and a um, Evan Williams who's played a lot of football at other places. So I think that's good. And I think we have a good a good group of youth. You know, we got like Kamara Terrell. Uh, you know, it was great that we had Tyler Turner and Cody DeCamber we both able to go through spring ball. Uh and then, you know, you got Damon David that was able to sit in, but it's coming off injury, but he was able to sit in all the meetings. So I think we've got a we've got a good group of, you know, in the spring I thought we had a good group of uh veterans and then we had a good group of talented young guys that just gotta learn what to do.
0: You know, Chris, we I think we only got to talk to you once during spring ball and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of a lot of fans or followers of the Ducks who may not necessarily know your type of coaching and they, they know the names from the safety room because you guys bring a lot of guys from last season back. But what do you think that you add yourself personally to the safeties coach or as a safeties coach to the room, to the players, and how do you think you're going to coach them differently than it has you been know, years past?
2: You know, just I hope I just add a, a little bit of experience. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been coaching DBs, you know, all of my life really. You know, I play safety. Um, I've been coaching safeties or, you know, in the secondary my entire career. So hopefully I just add a little bit of expertise, a little bit of, you know, can make them better, some things that maybe I see differently. Um, and so, you know, just try to, you know, tweak their, their skill set, you know, and, and, and also I think a lot of it is just uh, making them feel comfortable and, and, and believing in themselves a little bit more, you know, you know, cause sometimes you're going to make mistakes and that's part of coaching. It's the mental aspect is just how can I make these guys, you know, be the best version of themselves each and every day so that's my goal each and every day is tapping into them mentally you know not just always football wise but how how they doing socially academically how's their family doing you know just having that relationship with them off the field and then you'll get the results on the field
1: you touched on it earlier when you talked about coming over here from Tulane and you know working under Tosh and working under Lanning it feels like a, a, a common denominator of the good coaches whether it's at at a youth level or at the professional level or like yourself at the college level, they're always looking to learn. They're always trying to find new ways uh, to teach better, to to communicate better, uh, to be better at their, at their profession. Where, where are the areas you lean into to to self-improvement for for yourself? Man, just in all aspects, just how, you know, how does the entire organization,
2: you know, that's one of the things that I've really taken from here is just how detailed each and every part of the organization is, how detailed we are in recruiting, uh, just a day-to-day operation, There's not a wasted moment in the building. Uh, There's not a lot of downtime or guys just, you know, hanging in your office, just, you know, just, you know, just playing around and stuff like that. It's all business, which I really appreciate. Uh, And I've just learned a lot from it. Just, you know, just time management. I think it's one of the biggest things that I've learned here is how can you maximize your time and how can you do things better? We're always trying to strive to do things better. Like there's, you know, something may be great, but how can we, how can we make it better? You know, and this is, and Something that I really take from here is how can you always have a growth mindset, and how can we make things better? Like it may be good, but how can we just continue to make it better and not stay stagnant?
0: You've you've name dropped Evan Williams and Tysheem Johnson, you know, two guys who transferred into Oregon, who just got here during spring ball, like yourself. Just what was it like to coach them, and then just kind of give us like a quick little evaluation of, of some of the strengths, what the what you want to see them continue to improve upon? How the full camp.
2: It. They were great to coach. They were a joy to Mm -hmm. coach. I mean, I'm glad that you get them. Sometimes when you get guys that transfer, you don't know exactly what you're getting. You know, you just, Mm -hmm. you don't know sometimes. But these guys have been like, they're all ball. I mean, I love them both. I mean, they're they're both tremendous football players. I think they're really going to help us out. Uh, They're ate up with the game. I think they've got high football IQs. They're tough. Uh, They can cover. They can run. I think they've got, you know, really good potential this season. You know, it's my job to try to get the best out of both of them. Uh, this year. Uh, And I'm looking forward to coaching both of them, but I think they're, they're really, they they can be really good players for us here uh, this season.
1: I know you can't speak to the names and discussions of recruiting, but your position group has done pretty well this cycle and recruiting trail. Can you just take us in to your evaluation process for players that you're targeting for safety? What are the dynamics that you're looking for to fit your role at, at, at Oregon?
2: You know, there's always a size, size and speed combination that you're looking for, guys that are big and that can run. You know, that's kind of the name of the game, you know, big guys and guys that can run. So I think that that's kind of where we started it. But we went through, and uh, the guys had already did a uh, phenomenal job of, like, identifying the top safeties in the country. And that's what we went after. You know, when I got here, you know, they had me evaluate the guys and say, here's your pool of 30 guys. These are the top 30. It was something like that, 30 safeties in the country. Check them out. Rank them. We did that, and then we just put a plan in action as to how we're going to recruit them. And it's really a team recruiting effort here uh, at, at Oregon. I mean, we've got guys off the field, head coach is very involved, toss is very involved, uh, everybody on defense, people, coaches on offense. I mean, it's everybody's involved, a uh, support staff. And so we just went to work on, you know, how can we get these guys, how can we make these guys feel, you know, appreciated and just identify the ones that we really wanted. Uh, and, it, and, it, and so far it's been going pretty good. You know, it's not over till it's over until you know, these guys signed in December. So you've got to continue to go. But uh, just try to develop relationships with their families and just, um, you know, go out in the spring and be able to evaluate and watch and, and, and reconfirm, you know, if the guys are as good as you thought they were. Uh, and, you know, maybe x some guys off and some guys went higher. Uh, you know, after watching guys work out in the
0: spring, so uh, but it was it's, it's been good. I'm I'm going to do some program note editing on the fly here and ask a different question than what I had going. But I, I guess since we're on the topic of recruiting, just how different is recruiting now for for you as a coach, and then for you from like the players' perspective than when you were a player when you were getting oh my to South Carolina you know, was, and other schools.
2: You know there was there was no social media back then. You know there was no yeah. social media. There weren't any camps really like i mean you went to camps but it was like overnight camps the camps are different now you know now you get guys going for these one day camps and you know you can go see them at travel camps so that's all changed the exposure so much more than what it was back then uh there weren't many there you know back then there was some guys that you found it was like a hidden gem but now with huddle you know there's not many guys that are hidden gems you just type a guy's name in you put a huddle behind it you know there's a film you know, there's not any more DVDs or cassette tapes, you know, when, or whatever it was, the, uh, VHS tapes when I played, you had to make, and, you know, wait till the tape got mailed in, and you hoped the coach got it, and you watched it. You know, now it's just huddles at your access, so you can always watch these guys, and, you know, you, you can always follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram. and You know, so there's just so much more access, and it's really sped up the process. You know, when I when I was in high school, you kind of made your decision in January and signed in February. You know, just when I'm going to school and these guys know man, they've been on your campus I mean, multiple times, you know, now. So they're making a decision, you know, seven months faster.
1: So I, I got to follow up to that. Um, feels like there's a lot of information out there on kids. It's really attainable. But do you feel like sometimes it could be information overload, too much information? Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, not too much information, but does it make it hard to kind of get through everything when there's just readily so much information about everybody out there? No, you know, I, I think not here
2: at Oregon. You know, at some schools, you know, maybe at Tulane, it kind of be like that because there was so many guys, you right. know, here, I think we can do a good job if we attract the best, just being quite honest, you know, so we can attract the best guys. So it kind of your pool is kind of smaller. So, OK, these are the guys that are the best ones in the country. And these are the ones we got to try to get, you know, and, and you just kind of know exactly who your targets are. And you just got to try to go close on those guys. So I think here your, your, your pool is smooth is smaller. You know you kind of know exactly okay these are the top guys i, I want yep. two of these three if that makes sense you know or you know yep. i want this guy and you know two of these three or whatever the case may be so you know you just know who your targets are a little bit sooner and you can go get them like at tulane you may you know i may target some guys but then you know once a bigger fish comes in or comes in you know it doesn't matter how big my, how good my relationship is with the guy he wants to go play at orgy you know so um now we're the alpha dog and so now it's a little bit easier for me from that standpoint that you know I don't I don't lose the kids as quickly, you know, from that standpoint just off of name recognition.
1: Uh earlier on the summer, we had Tyler Dean, director of scouting for Oregon. If you're unfamiliar who that is, he, he was yep. on the show. Um and and Tyler brought up how the month of June is like the recruiting world's Super Bowl and the, the importance of that month. You talked about it just now, how sped up recruitments have become. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just kind of, from your perspective, just what makes June so valuable? What makes the end of July, that like three-day window that you guys can have kids on campus? What makes that so important now when it wasn't that way five, six years ago?
2: You know, just because guys now make decisions a lot of times before their single season. I think with the portal as well, a lot of kids are committing a lot sooner uh, because they're afraid that, you know, colleges may fill up. And not have as many spots in the fall as they used to because you don't know how many guys are going to be in the portal how many guys are going to take uh, so yeah the month of june is a grind it really is you have your travel camps you have your own camps you have your recruits you know on campus throughout the week you have your official visits that you're bringing in because they're going to make their decisions a lot of them july or june um uh, you also have your players moving in your freshmen coming in you're able to to work out with your players some you know, during the month of June. So it's a, it's a nonstop seven day a week grind during the month of June for sure. Uh, and it's, it's critical. And then you have those few days in July, you know, just to let, you know, they give the coach the vacation time, which I think we all enjoy. And then at the end of July, you can get back on it again and try to close and see them right before their season starts. Cause once the season starts, it's a little bit more difficult to get them. They may play a Friday game. Some may play a Saturday game, It depends on if you're home or away, whether or not they can make it to your game, you know, depending on when the game is, you know, if it's noon or seven o'clock at night with travel time, et cetera. So uh, you try to maximize that time in the summer because you don't know, you know, you don't know when you can see them again during the season.
1: Yeah. I'm just sh- going to bring that up too. follow up real quick to that real quick, Jared. Um, yeah. Go for it. I've, I've been in this role since 2009 and it, it felt like some schools from a recruiting perspective, you, you could, you'd see schools have three or four commitments going into August and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, And now it feels like the top schools like yourself, you try to have the, you know, the class half full or, you know, get, get close to being half full or more than that, or, or really pull down the number of guys that you need to target to continue recruiting. Once the season starts, it seems like you're almost done by, by August and you've got just a handful of, spots left to fill. Where did that come from? What's what's been the shift in that? I just think I just think with the kids making decisions fast, it just it's yeah. changed.
2: The landscape has changed over the last few years. Like the guys make they make decisions so much quicker. Now you get to July. Now you're on to you know 25. The class of the yeah. next class. The class of 2025. And you start bringing in these guys. Like a lot of these guys were on campus last summer. Yeah. You know that are here now. So we've been recruiting them for a while. They were recruiting before I even got here. You know they had been to games; and they were familiar with Oregon, et cetera. So um, it's just that the calendar and the kids' timeline has really sped up a yeah. lot of making decisions faster. Because a lot of times in December, you've got like two weekends in December you can officially visit. Yes. Well, that depends also if you're playing in the playoffs. You're a high school yeah. player and you're in Texas. Right. Texas State Championship goes after signing day. So if you're in the playoffs, you may never get to visit anywhere. You know because of your playoff schedule. So you have to make a decision way faster now. So the difference is I think that really the sign of day is now in December. You know, yeah. February where it used to be in February, now the sign mm-hmm. of day is really in December.
0: I like obviously this is a it's a personal thing for you because you're a coach and you deal with the recruits and you are and you're recruiting actively. Uh, but on a on a more personal level, how much is this kind of affected like I, especially your, like your entire coaching career, how this shift in recruiting and this shift in towards the summer, like how much has that affected you and just like your – I guess your overall your summers because, you, like you said, yeah. you had month,
2: July and like that's it. that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just, just got to adapt. You know, it's mm-hmm. just – you know, you know I coached at – one of the blessings, I think, is that I coached at FCS for five years before I came here. And at FCS, you didn't have like a, a full strength staff. You know, mm-hmm. and you didn't have as many coaches as you have here. So – at FCS, you had like a week off in the summer. And then you were working with your players all summer. So I've always been working a lot in the summer. Now you get more time off now than I did actually earlier in my career just because of, you know, the amount of staff that you have. You have a full shrift staff. So you don't have to be with the guys every day in the summer. Whereas at FCS sometimes you have to, you know, working them out and stuff like that. So um so it's it, it really hasn't changed a ton, you know, for me, I guess, from you know, when I when I began. And then, you know, you get the month of July off. Well, you know, three we get three weeks off in July uh, that we take off, and then you, you come back at the end, and by, by that time you're ready to ramp it back up. We
1: we head to Vegas next week for Pac-12 media day. Um, Dan Landing, a couple of your players will be there. What's the next fall camp starts in like a month? I don't. I, I hate to bring that on you, but uh, less than a month. Less, less than a month. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are these final few weeks like for for you as a staff? Getting ready for the season. What what are the things that you guys are doing? You know, if you're not on vacation, what are the things you're doing to get ready for the season? Or is it, hey, we were recharging recharging batteries by being on vacation?
2: Yeah, I think I, I, we've got about 12 days off. Then we'll come back uh, like a week before fall camp. As a coaching staff, I think the players actually have, have their week off. It's like discretionary week, so they get they get a few days off to go see their families and stuff before we start fall camp. And we'll go to like a coaching retreat and just kind of go through some. Um, in season opponents, fall camp schedule, make sure that we're we're all lined up and the first couple of practices are already scripted and ready to roll. Talk about the drills we're gonna do, uh, how we're gonna rotate, things of that nature, depth chart, you know, make sure everybody's there and accounted for, you know, and it's just the academics from the summer. So we'll clean all of that up. So once once camp starts, you're rolling, you know, because you, you spend a lot of time with the players, you know, it's early mornings, late nights, and you're trying to maximize your time. You know, everybody has the same amount of days they can practice during camp. It's just how do you maximize those days and
0: you know come out as healthy as possible and be ready to roll. September comes. This is this is a pretty pretty open ended question here, but as we head into fall camp and as we head ultimately into the season, just coming off the spring, coming off summer and workouts, just where what are some of like the bullet points that you're looking to see your safety room improve upon just in the first couple of weeks of fall camp?
2: You know, I think I think with our overall communication, I think that's one of the big things with safety. Is you got to be able to get the defense lined up. Uh, we're gonna play at a loud stadium. You know, our home games will be really, really loud. So we gotta do a great job with our hand signals, our communication. We've got a great job of overkilling it in practice, uh, tackling, you know. I think we're the last line of defense, so we gotta be great tacklers, you know, and then just judging the deep ball. I think we, we can continue to improve on that and not allowing, you know, explosive plays to happen. You know, and I think a lot of that will happen also with me being being a better coach, you know, I've just mm-hmm. I've challenged myself throughout the summer to just read to install myself, continue to learn myself. So I can you know verbalize it quicker, you know, more confidently than maybe I did in the spring. You know, like I said, there's some things that's we may call it, you know, blue, and we called it cover eight. You know, you know, whatever the case may be, you just okay, was blue is eight. No, oh, I can't say eight. We said eight. You know, they don't know what eight is. I said eight at Tulane. We say blue here. You know, so I have to just you know make sure that you know, it's maybe the same, but it's the words. I'm like, what are you saying, coach? You know, it happened a few times in the spring. I revered, you know, I, I I reverted back to an old word, and they were like, what? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but, but, but I think that's a I think that'll come with a lot of reps in the in the in the in, the, in the fall, you know, in fall, you know, everything, you know, the, those mental errors, you know, you know, time's ticking out. You know, you got to get those right. You know, you got a little bit more patience in the spring, you know, in the, the summer where they're doing a lot of PRP, uh, PRPs, you know, play mm-hmm. around practice. So uh, getting a lot of good work there. So I think we're ready to go in the fall.
1: I'm gonna give you an opportunity for a quick job change here. We go to Vegas next week. Uh, Dan's gonna be there. What would you ask Dan at at Pac-12 Media Day? What's the burning question that you guys, as a staff, want to know out of Dan?
2: You know, just just you know, I would just ask him. You know, hey, what you know, what areas of improvement are you looking for? You know, from your team from year one to year two. You know, you may ask him. You know, how has he improved as as a head coach? You know, what what improvements do we think he's made, or what has he learned from year one to year two? That's what I would ask him. You know, okay. if just me and I was a like, hey, hey, coach. You know, what things did you really learn in year one that you thought you knew that you didn't know? You know, once you became a hey. head coach, you know, just kind of. That would be my courses.
0: I've got i got a follow up on the playbooks. Does Does it ever get easier to learn a new playbook, or is it always like you got to sit down and read it for twenty to thirty hours? You're all, you're to always, and it's
1: always
2: evolving. That thing's going to change from you know from right now what, what we're doing in in July. In August, we will, why, why, why do we do that? Let's change this. You know, right. It's always changing. And sometimes it changes week to week, you know, just, <laughs> you know, depending on the opponent, you know, depending on, you mm-hmm. know, because offenses are so good now. You know, people attack you. They know how to attack your coverage. They know what your rules are. You know, what I'm, I mean, you can get on Twitter and find somebody's playbook now, you know, so uh, you've always got to be changing and evolving, you know, because the game does, you know, people just a copycat league. It's a copycat game. You know, we see, we steal stuff from other coaches. Other coaches steal stuff from us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever's the hot new trend, we gotta be ready to adjust to it on offense and we gotta be ready to, you know, do whatever the new trend is on defense. You know, so you gotta
0: always be evolving. Is there oh, I got, oh, sorry, sorry, Yeah, God, I got one more You're follow-up. Good. Is there anybody on staff who's just really good at it? Who just gets a playbook, sits down one day later, boom, he's got it. Damn. <laughs> he's like I, like, oh. I <laughs> he
2: like, I don't even know he looks at me. I mean, I mean, obviously he knows the defense I and mean, his defense, but he's yeah. like, I mean, he's great at, I tell you what's Tosh. Tosh like, man, that guy takes a ton of notes and reads. I mean, he just reads the playbook. Like, well, I think he really does it. He studies it all the time. I'm, all, I'm always sitting reading it. And he takes notes on everything that's said, whether I'm saying it, whether Coach Me saying it, Coach Tony saying it, like dancing. He's always trying to say whatever whatever words or terminology that you use, you know. Mm. And, uh, he does a really good job with that I've caught on in it. But they have really sharp edges. I mean, he can catch on the way. I mean, he, he knows what the offense is calling things. Obviously, he's the head coach. But they was like, hey, now why are we doing this? I'm like, how does he know their plays? Like, he's in there with us all the time. <laughs> like, I need to know what they're saying, you know. <laughs> but he does. You know, so he, he pays attention.
1: So 20 years – I got to follow up to this. So 20 years ago when I played high school football, our playbook was just a staple, a bunch of pieces of paper together. Now with technology, with Kindles, with iPads, how thick is a playbook now? I, I, I'm curious, like what, what, how thick is a playbook or how many Man, digital pages you know, are there? You know, we, we didn't give
2: one to the players this spring. It was all digital. So it's, mm. it's not printed out how it is. Now I've seen a copy of how like one of the ones for the coaches, they give you in fall camp. I mean, it is humongous. I mean, it is. <laughs> it just be. You know I, mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, yes. And, and it's going to change. You know, this is how it is. You know, I need to say anything I our defense coordinator. We print out these playbooks. That this just me, you know, and, you know, half of it you change. You know, it's a season. When, yeah. You know.
0: A lot of trees. A lot of trees. Yeah, a lot of
2: trees. A lot of trees. <laughs> GAs hate it. Print those playbooks.
1: Man. <laughs> uh, right my now. last question for you is just a fun one. Just being in Eugene now for seven months, just outside of being an assistant coach, there's more to you beyond that. Just what's been your experiences in eugene like what's what stood out to you just man i going outside out. of being a football okay player.
2: so i've spent my entire life in the south memphis tennessee new orleans yeah. lake charles south carolina there's really no humidity here like yeah. I mean, so, no no i mean like like guess the summertime i mean this, this is like it's it's cool i mean it's yeah. sick it right now you know 70 something degrees i mean it's nice outside you know, I mean, it may get to 80, but I mean, if it gets to like 85 in New Orleans, I mean, you're like sweating bullets. I mean, yep. but it's not that mm-hmm. way here, you know, and I mean, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it's great right and in the summer. You know, it's like, man, that's like been the biggest thing is that been no humidity, you know, and yeah. all I knew was humidity, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> <So> <laughs> that, that, that's been the difference. That's been the biggest difference.
1: Your, your, your nights are a lot uh, more more comfortable. It's and so it's, cold.
2: Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. no doubt. You know, the nights. you know, like, you know, in the south, even at nighttime, it's just still hot, you know, it's, it's know. dark, but you still swing you know, but it's not that mm-hmm. way here now. You know, it's great. It's night and it's you're cool. You know, you know, you know, you can wear hoodies, you know, yeah. if you wanted to, you know, at night, you know, it's just because the, the weather's the weather's nice. So it's been that's been really refreshing, I guess. All
0: right. I got I got one more question as well. I, I asked this to Dan. I asked this to Alik. We had him on, on the podcast as well. Um, Mostly because Dan didn't didn't answer this question many, many months ago. Do you have a game day playlist? Like do you get hyped up? And if so, what, what's on it? I really don't.
2: I I really don't I really don't have a game First day one. playlist. You know, I kinda listen to uh some podcasts.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Okay,
2: so I listen to a couple of podcasts, just like some uh I listen to this, this preacher in a in a Atlanta named Darius Daniels. And okay. he's always got a great message, so I kinda listen to his podcast. And uh, well, it, well, it's actually him. It's actually one of his sermons, but it's on Apple Podcasts. So that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Just I just got to get me going, you know. And uh, right. that's your like that's this. your pregame playlist. That's my pregame playlist.
1: There you go. I like it. What's yep. what's your favorite? What's your favorite sermon that that, that he's, uh he's given out? What, Man, what I, I don't
2: know. You know, all the ones when we win. You know,
1: sounds uh, <laughs> <laughs> about right. Yeah, you know? all the ones when we win. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's funny. Well, hey Chris, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate the opportunity uh, for you to be with us uh, this July and uh, get yourself ready for fall camp. And we'll, we'll certainly see you guys out there. And good luck uh, this season. Man, thank you guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Chris. Y'all appreciate be it. Going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I, I've been there plenty of times. I know how to be safe there now.
0: <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn, right. used to. Didn't Didn't used to. All
1: right. See you guys later
0: should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner
1: why are they keeping you here
0: starring
2: emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful
0: you are still a prisoner
2: here everything in this new world comes at cost this is
0: still my country. A gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Cut! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes, I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus.
2: Yes!